swing and a drive. Deep to left center field. Going, going. Goodbye, baseball. This is Extra Innings. Fastball swing and a miss. Strike three. That's going to retire the side. Seattle sports goes inside the Mariners with more stories, insights, and analysis than you'll find anywhere. Drilled up the middle. Oh, what a catch by J.P. Crawford. Step in the batter's box in the top of the tent right now. Hour two of Extra Innings is underway. Joining me now on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline, he covers the Houston Astros for the Houston Chronicle, Chandler Rome. You can follow him on Twitter at Chandler underscore Rome. Chandler, uh, how you doing today? I'm sure this stretch that the Astros are on uh, has made for quite the time covering this team as of late. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of been t- it's tiring, honestly, because they've played 33 games in 34 days. Um, they just finished a stretch of 17 straight games without an off day. They um, they were looking forward to today to being off. Um, they actually flew last night after the game from Houston to Seattle. So they're in Seattle already. They got in at about 4 a.m. Uh, Seattle time. So I'd imagine most of them are um, sleeping all day and enjoying the off day because they, they went through the grind. This was the toughest part of their schedule, just travel-wise and um, just – off day wise, this is going to be the toughest part, and they circled it in spring training, and they knew it. But they got through pretty good. They went twenty three and ten in that thirty three games in thirty four days. Yeah, and it's really set them up nicely in the American League West race. And and looking at their season so far, I mean, heading into that series against the Mariners at the beginning of the month of May, they were eleven and eleven. And since then, after sweeping Seattle in that three game set down in Houston, they have just launched themselves atop the AL West here. Uh, they've gone, I think, eighteen and five since that three-game series at the beginning of the month of May. Uh, just what has been the biggest catalyst in this stretch that has, you know, really woken up Houston? Well, it's been a couple of things. One, they hit a soft portion of their schedule opponent-wise. They played the Tigers. They played the Nationals. Um, they've played the Rangers a few times. They played the Twins without Byron Buxton, Carlos Correa, Luisa Rice, Trevor Larnich. Um, so, so they they benefited from a soft portion of their schedule. And granted, they did what good teams do. They they beat bad teams. Um, but I think you have to you have to look at their pitching. Their pitching has just been unbelievable all season, really. And it's really kind of buoyed an offense that hasn't performed that hasn't I shouldn't say hasn't performed but hasn't scored runs that like I, I think we're accustomed to seeing an Astros offense score runs um, but they're going to enter this series with the Mariners with the with the American League lowest ERA at 2.81 only the Dodgers have a lower one uh, in baseball you know Justin Verlander is going to start on Friday and he's going to carry a 19 inning score streak in that start um, their bullpen has been really really good especially the the back four leverage guys of Ryan Presley, Hector Neris, uh, Ryan Stanek, and then a guy that you guys may know well, Rafael Montero, has been a revelation for them this year, throwing the ball really, really well. So the pitching staff has really buoyed everything here. It's been the key to their success. Um, I think – I don't have the stat in front of me right now, but I think they've allowed two or fewer runs in like 16 of 43 games this year, which is absurd. Um, you know, they, they're just getting great pitching right now, and it's really coming an opportune time just because the offense isn't clicking yet. 
you bring up the bullpen and also Rafael Montero, and you, you say that name out here in the Northwest, Chandler, and it gets a collective groan because he was just he had his struggles last year with the Mariners after coming over in a trade from Texas. Uh, obviously involved in that trade that sent Abraham Toro to Seattle, Kendall Graveman back to Houston. I think Joe Smith was also in that trade uh, a year ago, which really kind of you know set the tone for both of these teams, to, not only to end the season last year, but coming into this year, especially with Toro getting a lot of play out here in Seattle, uh, and then Montero being as dominant as he has been this season. Not just Montero, though, but the rest of the bullpen. The Astros have kind of flip-flopped from where they were a year ago with their bullpen, where there were a ton of question marks. It was shaky at times. What has been the key to that bullpen getting to the level that they're playing at right now? Well, I think Montero is a big one because, I mean, you know, they – I think I don't know if it was just all injury, if he was just hurt in Seattle and they finally just got him healthy. But I mean, he's always had the stuff, right? I mean, this is a this was a guy that was a top prospect, and I mean, the velocity's always been there, and he's always had great stuff. They just could never maybe get him healthy or, or harness it enough, and he's been a big thing. But you know, last year when you look at their bullpen last year, it was a lot of second year relievers that made their debuts during the 2020 season. And the 2020 season was obviously truncated and in front of no fans. And where the Astros aired a little bit last year was presuming that those guys were going to just were going to just assimilate to pitching in full stadiums and a 162 game season without any issue. And that and that just didn't happen. And they needed to get deeper and they needed to get more veterans in this bullpen. So, you know, they went out in this offseason and they signed Hector Neris. Um, former Phillies closer who leads them, who is their franchise leader in appearances uh, as a reliever. You know, they've still got Ryan Presley. Rafael Montero's got a bunch of service time when they when they kind of turned him around. He became a veteran. You know, Phil Maton, a guy that they got at the trade deadline last year for Miles Straw. His, you know, he's been in the league four or five years. Ryan Stanek, the same way. So this is just a more veteran bullpen that just gives Dusty Baker more options because last year, especially early in the season, it seemed like he was going to one young guy after another young guy after another young guy and then just praying that they could get the outs to get to Ryan Presley or get to Ryan Stanek, and it just didn't work that way. So they've gotten more veteran. They've gotten more experience back there. It's just made a deeper bullpen altogether. Chandler Rome of the Houston Chronicle, who covers the Astros, joining us on Extra Innings. You can follow him on Twitter at at Chandler underscore Roman. And Chandler, it, it feels like every year the Astros have a player come up from their minor leagues that just takes off, that catches fire. And obviously you covering the team a lot more closely, it may not feel like that. But up here in Seattle, it just seems like there is one guy after another every single year. And this year it's been Jeremy Pena, shortstop, who has been probably the best shortstop in the American League if we're looking at the sabermetrics and, and really just the raw numbers as well. I want to know, is there a secret to the Astros' ability to develop players in their minor leagues? Because, I mean, they have had so many homegrown guys come through their system over the years that have just developed into superstars. What is it that makes these – what is it that makes it seem like Houston has a higher hit rate than most teams on prospects? Well, well, it's odd. If you if you talk to just people in Houston and Astros fans, you know they would kind of bemoan that the Astros never produce position players. It's always you know they've <laughs> always got really good pitchers that come up. You look at their rotation right now, and it's almost all homegrown, aside from Justin Berlander. I mean, these are all homegrown 
um, young Latin American guys that they signed for meager signing bonuses and that they really developed through their system. Um, but position players, they haven't really hit on much. But, you know, I do think, you know, just looking at some of the homegrown guys they've had, it helps that, you know, Alex Bregman was the second overall pick in the draft. Kyle Tucker was the fifth overall pick in the draft. I mean, it's not like they went and found these diamonds in the rough and molded them. I mean, they were really good players when they got here, and they just um, they kind of helped them along, and they're, they're budding in the superstars. I think Pena is a little bit different. You know, third-round pick went to Maine, kind of very unknown. But, I mean, look. This is the son of a former big leaguer. Um, the bloodlines are obvious. And, I mean, this was a college player that they took with a ton of good makeup. And, you know, he's, he has exceeded every expectation they had for him. Obviously, they, they knew that they had something. I don't think they expected, you know, him to be leading this team in war after two months of the season, especially doing it uh, while filling Carlos Correa's shoes, which is just an unenviable task. Um you know, he's come up, and it's just – you knew the defense was going to be there. This was When they drafted him, he was a defense-first shortstop that they just hoped could hit. Um, and when he started bulking up a little bit and started putting good weight on, you saw the power emerge. But everyone kind of thought he was going to be a power-over-hit guy. He wasn't going to make a ton of contact, but when he made contact, it was going to go a long way. Um, he has only come up to the big leagues and responded to that with a 293 batting average. Um, he's making a lot more contact than I thought he would. Um, he is swinging and missing a little bit. He is expanding the strike zone and chasing a little bit. Um, you know, you do with a rookie, you always kind of know that the inevitable a one for 20 or 0 for 25 is coming just because that happens to all rookies. But um, the way his makeup, puts him up there and the way he's able to kind of handle adversity and just be so stoic. He doesn't look like a rookie. Like when you talk to him, when you just kind of watch him play, this looks like a guy that's been in the league for five or six years. So when the adversity does come, I think that they think he's equipped to handle it, but um, he's definitely a player development success story. I mean, and they have a lot of those guys that, you know, maybe, you know, I mean, this was a third round pick from a school, from a very little known school, but, um, they got him into the system, and it's worth noting too that you know he barely played minor league baseball. His first game at the big league level was only his 38th game above high A, because 2020 wiped out the pandemic. 2020 wiped out the minor league season, and he missed most of the 2021 minor league season with a wrist injury. So he played like 37 games at Triple A when he came back from the wrist injury. Skipped Double A altogether and then came to the big league. So for him to do it without a ton of minor league experience is just uh, another feather in his cap. He is Chandler Rome, covers the Astros for the Houston Chronicle. Make sure you're following him on Twitter at Chandler underscore Rome. Chandler, really appreciate you joining me and uh, look forward to uh, reading your coverage during this Astros Mariner series. All right, thank you. Big thanks to Chandler Rome up next on Extra Innings. He's one of the preeminent voices in all of baseball we're talking Jeff Passan of ESPN. How is he feeling about this Mariners team after their May that has been very tough? That's coming your way next. Curtis Rogers, this is Extra Innings on Seattle Sports Station and the Mariners Radio Network. You're listening to Extra Innings inside the Mariners on the home of the Mariners, Seattle Sports Station. Thank you so much for making Extra Innings a part of your Thursday evening here on Seattle Sports Station the Mariners Radio Network. Coming up in about 30 minutes, we will do a round of 
that's where we look at some of the biggest headlines from around Major League Baseball during the week and what we look forward to coming up on the weekend. But Jeff Passan, one of the preeminent voices in Major League Baseball, uh, really does a tremendous job covering the league for ESPN, not just as a columnist, but as one of the big newsbreakers in the game. He has a weekly segment on Seattle Sports Station, normally with Mike Salk, but Mike Salk is out this week. Michael Bumpus and Mike Lefko, a lot of mics going on in this segment. Uh, they had an opportunity to chat with Jeff Passan, who notoriously at the beginning of the season was very bullish on the Mariners, had very high hopes for them. Now, obviously, the last couple of weeks, the Mariners have taken their lumps. They have not had a lot go their way. Does Jeff Passan still feel like this Mariners team has it within themselves to dig them out of the early season hole they found themselves into? Well, let's take a listen. Uh, I've, I've been waiting to come on to this station for a couple of weeks now, not to offer a mea culpa for cursing the Mariners or uh, to to uh, say sorry to Mike for him having COVID, but uh, to sit here and say I am standing steadfast in my belief that the Seattle Mariners are not as terrible a team as we see them right now. And I'm not doubling down. I'm, I'm not tripling down. All I'm saying is that this is a very bad version of this team right now, and I still, still do not believe that they are a bad team. Well, Jeff, I think everyone would appreciate that optimism. I know it's tough to, to stand behind right now, but where do you maintain that optimism? Is it the fact that Kyle Lewis is back? Is it the fact we're seeing some more progress in the lineup? But what makes you optimistic right now when, uh, when they stand where they stand in the standings? Uh, okay, Kyle Lewis is back. That certainly helps out. Um, I think their, their defense, frankly, uh, you know, uh, there have been moments where it has looked ugly, but by and large, I think they've been a better defensive team than I was anticipating. The bullpen's been a problem. Like, I, I will acknowledge that, and, and maybe I was uh, believing a little too much the early results in the bullpen, bullpen that doesn't necessarily have uh, veteran presence there and established guys who have had multiple years of success, which really is the true sign of uh, a good deep bullpen. But I just, you know, I look at the lineup, I look at the batters in it. They're not world beaters, but there are enough good hitters in there, especially with Julio Rodriguez finally turning into what I think everyone was anticipating he did. Uh, there are enough good guys there, I think, where they are going to be competitive. And uh, ultimately, it's going to come down, I think, to the starting pitching. You know, can Logan Gilbert keep it up? Can George Kirby be the George Kirby who's striking out guys uh, and, and not giving up hits in addition to not giving up walks? Uh, can you get Chris Flexen from 2021 back? Is Marco Gonzalez going to be the mid-rotation type guy, or is he going to be, you know, the back end sort. Um, it, there's still a lot of areas in which the Mariners can improve, which is, you know, I, I'm, I'm really not trying to, like, hold on to something that I know is a lost cause here. I'm just not trying to abandon something uh, when things are bad. Because I don't think this is a team that's worth abandoning at this point. Not, not at this point in the season. Like, uh, you know, maybe we have this conversation later in June or in July, uh, but but right now, there's just too much that can go right, I think, to dwell on the many things that have gone wrong. Well, Jeff, you kind of answered my question. You know, in the Northwest here, 
May and June, the weather starts to get good. I get a bunch of save the dates. Everyone gets married out here May, June, July because the weather's good. Yeah. And I was going to ask, is there a date I should save to where I start panicking <laughs> if the Mariners aren't doing well? You say June, July, so I'm going to wait until late July before I panic. But my question is, what do you see in Julio Rodriguez? Would you compare him to someone that you've seen? And do you think that he can sustain this growth that we're seeing? I don't want to throw out the first name that popped into my head because it's unreasonable. So I'm not going to do that. But let's put it this way. At 21 years old, he is leading, I believe, all of baseball in stolen bases. Uh, He's playing a position that nobody scouts front office people as he was coming up anticipating him playing in center field because, well, you know, he looked like he was more destined to be an Aloy Jimenez type rather than a Luis Robert or that other guy who plays in the same division and whose name I don't want to mention because it's unfair and unrealistic type. Um, his average is up. He, his power is showing. I mean, he's he's everything. Like that. That's the the beauty of this and the fact that he's just scratching the surface of what his talents are right now is maybe the best part of the, the, the whole package that uh, we've, we've seen what prime Julio Rodriguez is going to look like. And the more baseball he plays, the more time he spends out there, we're going to see it more consistently. And uh, he is the sort of player around whom championship contenders are built. Well, Jeff, we uh, we started with the good, and I was trying to put off the the pessimistic the pessimistic side of this mm-hmm. until uh, until we had to get to it. But the bullpen has really been a liability, which you can't yeah, I know you can't carry over one season to the next. But last year they were the strength of this team, and now to see uh, a lead evaporate seemingly every game, it ha- it has been uh, a little tough for Mariners fans to stomach. Is there a fix? Is there a, a fix beyond just? Uh, hoping those guys can figure it out or hunting around and trying to find what options might be out there. Yeah, I, I mean, the, you know, the, the most frustrating part has been Castillo, who they traded for thinking he was going to be, if not the closer, then a really big part of that bullpen. It's been second rider, who was so great last year, uh, having a lot of problems with Munoz, whose stuff, like his stuff, is way better than his numbers. So clearly there is some kind of a disconnect there with execution. Um, Misevich, um, you know, guy after guy, it just seems is not the same as last year. Everyone except Paul Seawald, and even Seawald's not striking out guys near the rate he was last year. So uh, this bullpen that is supposed to be, should be, strength is decidedly the opposite right now and the, the question becomes guys and, and I think the, the scary and frustrating part for fans is this if the Mariners were 500 right now then I don't think there's any doubt Jerry Depoto would be out there looking to upgrade the bullpen and, and being willing to spend to upgrade the bullpen right um, when you're 8 games under through 44 games you're probably closer on the continuum to selling than to buy. So that's why the Mariners need to go on a, a nice little run here before we get in, in the vicinity of the All-Star break because they need to be able to convince ownership that 
this is a team worth buying for. This is a team worth trying to win. And, and right now, they simply haven't looked like it to this point. Jeff, we talked about the pitching woes. Now let's talk about swinging the stick. Is there someone that we're not talking about that you feel is vital to this team having success throughout this summer? Mm. I think Jesse Winker has been disappointing enough to this point where he needs if – this, if this team, if this offense is going to turn things around – He's going to be an enormous part of it. Uh, remember, they, they didn't give up nothing for him. Brandon Williamson is a top-flight pitching prospect who's got a chance to be a really good big league arm. So uh, in, in getting Eugenio Suarez and, and Jesse Winker, they, they were hoping for foundational elements in this lineup, and Suarez has been pretty good so far. But Winker, uh, you know, he's gotten on base. The, the, this power we've seen especially against right-handed pitching, which he was known for, it simply hasn't been there. And so it's been, it's been fascinating looking at Scott Service's lineups and seeing him tinker and toy with them and try to find something that jumpstarts this offense. I mean, you know what you're getting with Ty France, professional hitter, Scott Pop going to get on base. J.P. Crawford, uh, you know, settling back into the, the same territory he's been throughout his career, which is, High on base, high average guys can have a little bit of pop. Suarez, you know, isn't going to get on base very much, but uh, is going to hit the ball really hard. And I think Julio, best days are ahead there. If you can put the four of them with Winker and then find another bat, whether it's Mitch Hanniger coming back, uh, maybe Taylor Trammell, Kyle Lewis, of course, is going to be there. The, the Mariners have options. That's the thing. Uh, despite all of this disappointment, the options are there enough where you can squint and see, okay, that's how this team wins. From wet blanket Jeff Passan to optimistic Jeff Passan, look, I'm just as surprised by it as you are, but Jeff Passan of ESPN, kind enough to join Seattle Sports Station every single week during the baseball season. When we return on Extra Innings, what is the one thing the Mariners need right now, above all, to help themselves end this slide that they are on? USA Today's Bob Nightingale joined Jake Heaps and Stacey Rost on Thursday. He gives his answer. This is Extra Innings on Seattle Sports Station and the Mariners Radio Network. You're listening to Extra Innings inside the Mariners on the home of the Mariners, Seattle Sports Station. How do you stop a skid? Kind of been the theme of tonight here on Extra Innings is the Mariners, well, as we know, have not had the easiest go of it here in the month of May. How do you put an end to it? How do you put a stop to all of this? Stop the madness, as it were. Well, Bob Nightingale of USA Today joined Jake Heaps and Stacey Rost on Thursday on Seattle Sports Station, and he offered up a theory as to maybe why the Mariners have had a tough go of it the way that they have had ever since the Mitch Hanniger injury and really ever since the end of the 2021 season, there's a significant difference in this makeup of the team that maybe we aren't considering as much as we should. Let's take a listen. Here's Bob Nightingale with Jake and Stacey. We are looking at a Mariners team that's fallen into last place in the AL West. And, Bob, there are some Fatalist fans here who aren't surprised at all, which will happen when you miss the playoffs for that long. But for the most part, people here are really disappointed. Are you surprised to see this team struggling as much as they have? Yeah, very surprised. I think most people, you know, predicted the Mariners to uh, 
you know, be candidate to, to win the uh, AL West, uh, certainly be a wild card team and end that streak. I mean, you know, when they uh, signed Robbie Ray and make the moves they did, uh, you know, there were certainly there was a lot of confidence in, in spring training that this was the year the streak would finally end. And uh, yeah, I don't think anybody thought this was coming to be in last place, particularly behind you know teams like a uh, the Oakland A's. Bob, there's certainly many areas that you could point to and say, gosh, this has been a big reason why they have struggled so much this year. But in your mind, what would be the number one thing that you would point to with this team that just simply has not been good enough or have lived up to expectations, as you mentioned, before the season started? Well, I think they're really missing the veteran leadership in that clubhouse. You know, there's not that veteran there that guys lean on. And I think when guys struggle, uh, it's like, okay, let me uh, let me be – uh, get some advice or you know consolation from guys who've been there and done that. You know, Seager was was one of those guys for sure in that clubhouse. I just think they miss that 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 leadership. Uh, and, you know, they don't have it. There's so many young players in that team, and I think we're going through a uh, free for all like they are, free fall like they are now. Uh, it just gets worse. It's just a uh, sometimes I think they wonder where to turn. When you look at this team, is it? Uh... Is it a team that you think like, hey, these are things that can turn around over the course of a very long baseball season, or do, do they look like a team that just frankly is not a good team? Well, there's a lot of games. It's not like they're getting you know blown out right. and losing a ton of uh, uh, close games. So you know it, it, it can turn around, and we saw that last year with Atlanta. Uh, I mean, certainly they were they, they bounced back when the Washington Nationals won their World Series. I think they were 19 and 31 at, at one point. But, you know, they were about, you know, about Memorial Day here, uh, time to turn it around. And, uh, you know, Houston's not going anywhere. Uh, Los Angeles Angels are, are playing very good baseball. So it's certainly a time to worry. I'm not saying time to panic, but certainly, you know, 40 games into a season, uh, it may be much better than this. The the other part that has been, you know, disappointing with this team is is that obviously – you can't necessarily count on the same product that they had out there in 2021 and say that's exactly who they can be in 2022 because it was it was very, very rare to watch them do what they did last year. But we know bullpens are very fickle, but that was one of the things that really held down the fort for this team. Uh, they have really struggled. Uh, is it a product of just, hey, this is, exa- this is an example of what happens when you rely on your bullpen so much or uh, has – you know, a couple injuries really set this team back in your mind. Yeah, I wouldn't say injuries. I mean, every team has got a ton of injuries. I mean, New York Mets, you know, lost a, uh, you know, their two aces in Jacob DeGrom and, uh, and Max Scherzer. And, you know, they're, they're running away with that division. So not injuries. Uh, yeah, bullpen, you never know from one year to the next. You know, one, guy, one year a guy is great. One year a guy is struggling. Uh, see, my guy's always a, a volatile mix. I think they, you know, certainly expected more from their young players, uh, you know, particularly the way they finished up. I mean, uh, they were in the playoff race the last day of the season. Uh, I don't think anybody saw regression just because the guys were young. It's not like anybody was having career years. Uh, so that that's the biggest surprise. Uh, Jerry DePoto this morning said in terms of adding talent, the trade market isn't really hot this time of the year. Do you see any names around the league becoming available maybe in the next couple months? Yeah, I mean, I think it should be, uh, it's certainly going to be a, uh, a seller's market more than a buyer's market. 
because so many teams will be in the race uh, because of the expanded postseason. So, yeah, uh, you know, plenty of, uh, you know, outfielders be available, you know, whether it's a, uh, you know, Michelle does have Justin Upton coming back, uh, join the team in about a month. Uh, Certainly, you know, guys like Tommy Pham are out there. Uh, But, you know, at at some point, if the Mariners are the way they are now, you know, you wonder whether they'll they'll be sellers. I mean, is Justin Upton going to be there for, uh, you know, just two months and and be traded? Uh, There's certainly, you know, pitchers out there, too. But, you know, when you're the Mariners and, you know, you worked this hard to rebuild and get the young prospects, you know, you're not going to just turn around and trade those prospects. So I, I don't see them being aggressive in the trade market. Uh, just because they don't want to give up, you know, the, the top prospects they fought for for so long to get. You know, Bob, one of the hardest things to do in baseball is even when you have a number one farm system, is to be able to integrate that farm system at the right time for each player and for them to be in a, a landing spot that you know provides an environment for them to be successful and for them to all take off. Uh, at the same time, right? We've seen it happen in recent years, but it, it is difficult. It's a unique challenge. Uh, as you look at the Mariners and the way they've constructed their roster, uh, have they provided that landing spot for these prospects to be able to come up and have success and and allow this rebuild for it to be successful as they start bringing these guys up? Well, you certainly wonder about that. I mean, with Jerry Kelnick struggles and, and different guys not, not taking the next step, you know, it looks like Julio Rodriguez is taking the next step. Uh, but, you know, if fans don't want, you know, you get tired of hearing about prospects. You want to see it, you know, translate to the major league level. You know, the old joke in baseball is you want to be in the cover of Baseball America or having the best prospects, but the cover of Sports Illustrated and having a parade. Uh, you know, it's like you got to turn it around at some point. You know, and the Cubs did that. The Houston Astros uh, have done that. You know, Pittsburgh and Baltimore are, are in the middle of doing that now. But, yeah, you kind of wonder about, you know, why aren't these guys taking the next step? Uh, you know, is it a belt, is it a development thing? Is it a, uh, an atmosphere, you know, atmosphere thing? So that's why I think you need some veterans in there to help out the, help out the young guys. Uh, because right now they're struggling. And I think, you know, sometimes you know where to turn. And, uh, you know, when you start struggling like that too and you're young, you kind of think, okay, well, will I ever get it right? Am I about to get sent back to the minor leagues? Uh, when you're looking around the American League, there are some teams that have underperformed despite expectations uh, and others that have surprised. The Angels certainly falling into the latter ca- category and the Blue Jays getting off to a slow start along with the Red Sox. How do you see uh, the league in terms of a team that maybe has pleasant, pleasantly surprised you in a, in a team that's kind of disappointing? Well, yeah, I mean, I think the two most disappointing teams in the American League are certainly Seattle and the uh, Detroit Tigers. You know, Tigers were in a rebuild, too. They had a winning record after the first week of May. Um, you know, spent $140 million on a shortstop. It just kind of collapsed. I mean, they're right in the same position as, as uh, Seattle. Now, they've had a ton of injuries, particularly starting rotation, so maybe, uh, you know, a little different. And then surprises, you know, Minnesota Twins lost, what, maybe 87 games last year in uh, – and here they are kind of running away from the pack in the AL Central. Mm-hmm. So I think they definitely have to be the, uh, you know, uh, the, the biggest prize in the American League. I mean, you don't expect the Yankees to play, you know, as well as they are. But you certainly expect them to contend. But I got to say the uh, Minnesota Twins, and to a degree the Angels as well, um, would be biggest surprise with the American League. Hey, Bob, last question here. Um, 
one thing that we've all discussed here in Seattle is why couldn't the Mariners land some of the top free agents that they've been linked to? And obviously there's a million and five reasons why it didn't happen. And some of those guys aren't actually panning out. But um, in terms of Seattle as a landing spot, the Mariners as a landing spot, do you think that conversations with agents and players are that no matter what, Seattle has to overpay and, and that Seattle truly may just be a no-go for some players? You know, I wouldn't say that. I mean, I think a, uh, you know, Trevor Story was uh, almost went there. It was, you know, uh, you know, other players too. I mean, people love Seattle. I know, you know, James and manager said, oh, what a great place to, uh, you know, live. What a great place to uh, play. Terrific fan base. But it all comes down to winning. Nobody wants to play for a loser. And so the big thing is, you know, once you win, players want to be on a winner. Yeah. They don't want to say, wow, it's been 21 years since I made the uh, postseason. I don't want to, you know, be on a team that continues that. So it's more the winning and losing than anything else. Uh, you know, yeah, the travel's a problem, and uh, you know, you got you got to live with that. But otherwise, there's really no negatives that come to Seattle except for the uh, win-loss record. Uh, Bob, I lied. I have another question now. Uh, you she, she does that often, Bob. No, I'm so Bob, sorry. I don't. I, this, will, <laughs> this will be the last one. We know you're busy. You have to get going. But you mentioned Trevor Story almost coming here. Uh, do you have any idea why he might have ended up uh, going to Boston instead or why it wasn't Seattle? I think he just wanted more money. I think he thought he saw what Corey Seager got, you know, $325 million. Uh, you know, he's, you know, so Marcus Samian got $175 million from uh, Texas, you know, uh, a place where he wanted to go. So I think he thought, let me, uh, get as much money as possible yeah. and really it was kind of holding out hope for Texas. And then of course the lockout came and then it became a situation where I think Seattle's interest had dropped off. Uh, and then he said, okay, who, who's left? Mm-hmm. And it was, you know, Boston giving up pretty much the same amount of money. I think Seattle was at one point and uh, there was a time too. He didn't want to switch positions. Of course he did with Boston. So I think it was more of a timing thing than anything else uh, choosing Boston over Seattle. As I tell you all the time, the podcast page is where you want to be. If you have missed any of tonight's show, any of tonight's extra innings, or really any hour of any show on Seattle Sports Station, the podcast page at seattlesports.com is where you want to find yourself. Coming up next, we end this edition of Extra Innings with a round of pepper, including a roster move the Mariners made today in their bullpen, sending a reliever down to AAA. This is Extra Innings on Seattle Sports Station, the Mariners Radio Network. You're listening to Extra Innings, Inside the Mariners, on the home of the Mariners, Seattle Sports Station. Welcome back to Extra Innings here on Seattle Sports Station and the Mariners Radio Network. Curtis Rogers with you for just one final segment here on this Thursday night. Mariners take on the Houston Astros beginning tomorrow at T-Mobile Park. They will be doing so without what has been a key member of their bullpen over the last couple of seasons. That would be Drew Steckenrider, who earlier today, in fact this afternoon, the Mariners announced they have optioned him to Triple A Tacoma. Steckenrider's season just has not gone well for him at all. In 16 games, he is 0-2 with a 5.65 ERA, nine earned runs allowed in 14 and third innings pitch. He's walked five, struck out ten, and it just has not been his season, which is unfortunate because last year he was such an integral part of the Mariners' bullpen. Him and, and Paul Seawald 
and Casey Sadler, those three guys had breakthrough seasons in 2021. And that was a big reason why I think there was optimism surrounding the Mariners' bullpen was how dominant those three guys looked a year ago. Now, Paul Stewald has looked much the same. Strikeout rate is down a little bit, but he still has been just as effective in getting out. But Steckenrider, a lot has been expected of him this season, and he just has not delivered. As Brandon Gustafson of SeattleSports.com pointed out earlier in the show, he has not had a clean inning in a long time. In fact, he's only had one clean inning in those 16 appearances this season, meaning he set down the side one, two, three. He's given up hits. He's given up runs. In fact, his last few outings, he's given up runs in all of them. And I think it all kind of came to a head in that appearance against the Mets at City Field on that Sunday afternoon where the Mariners held a very comfortable lead going into the ninth inning. And then all of a sudden, the game-tying run was 90 feet away, and the go-ahead run, I believe, was out at second base. Second rider gets pulled. Diego Castillo gets the final two outs of that game. It just has not been Drew Steckenrider's season, and, and unfortunately that has cost the Mariners a lot, especially in high-leverage situations, because you look at the makeup of their bullpen right now, who do you trust in a high-leverage situation outside of Paul Seawald? Maybe Sergio Romo? I mean, Penn Murphy has looked good, but this is his first action in Major League Baseball in his career. That is a lot to ask of somebody who has never – thrown a pitch at the major league level before this season now Penn Murphy has definitely answered the call when has when he has been put out there on the mound but that to me is going to be a big big focus for the Mariners if they want to rid themselves of this month of May if they want to make it easier on themselves they have got to get the bullpen figured out they've got to get the starting rotation figured out depth is not their friend at either of those spots just as as Brandon pointed out if somebody goes down in that starting rotation you're in a world of hurt right now because who do you go to I mean Justice Sheffield is available at the minor league level but it remains to be seen the Mariners as of now have not announced a corresponding move you wonder it's if it's probably going to be a, a bullpen arm, I, I would imagine Rowanis Elias could be a possibility considering Elias was who took Steckenrider's spot in the Toronto series when Steckenrider was placed on the restricted list. But yeah, it, it, it's just been such a frustrating go of it for Drew Steckenrider in the 2022 season. I do think he is capable of getting back to what he was a year ago. I mean, look, it, it was... Yes, it was out of left field the way he pitched, the way he was so dominant a year ago. He had never really been that kind of pitcher in his career except for you know a couple of seasons here or there. I think there was a season in Miami in 2017 where he looked really good, but then in 2018 and 2019 his numbers kind of came back down to earth. He really regained his form in 2021 after sitting out the 2020 season due to injury. Unfortunately, just has not been effective in the 2022 season. Speaking of guys hoping for a bounce back, that would be former Cardinals infielder Matt Carpenter. You remember him, a former all-star MVP candidate with the Cardinals, had had a ton of really great seasons for the Cardinals, but injuries had crept up on him in his mid-30s. In fact, he has never played a major league game outside of the Cardinals organization, but he has signed a major league contract with the New York Yankees after being a member of the Texas Rangers minor league system uh, to start the 2022 season. 
the Texas Rangers, their AAA affiliate, the Round Rock Express. Uh, he hit 275 with six home runs and 19 RBIs in 21 games. You look at the Yankees right now. Yeah, they are sitting atop the American League, but they're also dealing with plenty of injuries. Giancarlo Stanton heading to the IL. So maybe there is something in this move by the by the Yankees in, in hoping that they can get just a little bit out of Matt Carpenter near the end of near the twilight of his career. So a very interesting move to look at as the Yankees are adding Matt Carpenter on a major league deal. I think that's the most surprising thing about this is that he is guaranteed a spot on their 26-man roster once they are able to find room. Almost kind of the same with Justin Upton here in Seattle. Remember, the Mariners signed him on Sunday. He's in Arizona right now for extended spring training, so it will be a little bit longer before we see Upton with the Mariners. But look you got to take shots if you're a team that has playoff aspirations in the 2022 season. On ESPN.com right now, there is an article with all of their baseball writers, or the strong majority of them. It is the must-see TV right now in Major League Baseball, and they got different categories. The team that they can't get enough of, the players that they can't get enough of. They've got also just pitchers that they can't get enough of let's take a look at some of the nominees that guys like Jeff Passan, guys like June Lee, Alden Gonzalez you've got Bradford Doolittle, Jesse Rogers is on this list, David Schoenfeld who has a lot of ties here to the Northwest, but the teams that they can't get enough of right now and like Jeff Passan, I know he was he was just on with Seattle Sports Station what, Thursday morning? Talking about the team that he cannot get enough of right now. If you're in the AL West, I think there's a strong, strong concern with the LA Angels. That's right. Mike Trout, Shohei Otani, of course, those guys are are being incredible, as they always are. But also Taylor Ward has gone from afterthought to a superstar. He's got an OPS over 1,000 right now. Patrick Sandoval has been dominant in their starting rotation. Noah Syndergaard, just as good. I mean, they are performing the way I think a lot of people had expected the Angels to perform for quite some time now. And look, it it, it is a bummer to see them right now in second place in the American League West and knowing that it, it makes the Mariners' road to the playoffs that much tougher. It makes their road to dominating in the American League West that much tougher. The Toronto Blue Jays are the nominee from Alden Gonzalez if you like the young and the brash. That's what he says. Obviously, Vlad Guerrero Jr., Bo Bichette, Alec Manoa. I mean, they've got tons of other star-level players on that team. I mean, boy. That Blue Jays team has a a very rich future ahead of them. In a very competitive American League East, I'm excited to see what they do going forward. June Lee, he's got the L.A. Dodgers, of course. I mean, it's, it's like picking the Golden State Warriors, you know. You you, you got superstars all over the place. Uh, and then Bradford Doolittle with an interesting one with the Minnesota Twins, uh, saying that they're just a one great big experiment uh, with Carlos Correa, who has a opt-out after one year on his contract. Byron Buxton, who has always had issues staying healthy during his career. 
Who is your must-watch team in baseball right now? Text that into the Mac and Jacks text line, 710-710. Very interesting article on CBSSports.com by Mike Axisa, who covers the league, about Robbie Ray's struggles with the one bad inning. And if you watch the Mariners at all this season, you know Robbie Ray's struggles with just the one bad inning each start. It, it, it really is one bad inning nearly every time out there. It, yesterday, it was the two-run home run to Elvis Andrews. And then before yesterday's game, there was a wild stat out there. Uh, in the 54 and two-thirds innings pitched that Robbie Ray had prior to yesterday's start, where he went six innings, he had allowed 27 of his 31 earned runs in seven innings this season. In the other 47 innings, he was running an ERA of .76. You figure out the bad inning, Robbie Ray is back to his Cy Young form. It's, I hate to say it, but it, it is that simple. It is that simple. And it's that simple. Download the Extra Innings Podcast, seattlesports.com. That's where you can find it immediately following the show. I really appreciate you stopping by here on this Thursday night. I want to give a big thanks to Brandon Gustafson of seattlesports.com for joining me. Chandler Rome of the Houston Chronicle for joining me. Lots of good stuff over the last two hours. If you missed any of it, like I said, the podcast page, seattlesports.com, is where you want to be. Mariners and Astros tomorrow from T-Mobile Park. You can hear it right here on Seattle Sports Station and the Mariners Radio Network. Have a good one.